Hey friends and welcome to the happy hour. My name is Jamie Ivy and I'm your host every week. And each week what we do here at the happy hour is it's just me and a couple girlfriends chatting exactly like a happy hour. Imagine that you're out with us having coffee or a glass of wine and this is what our conversation would look like. So thanks for joining us. Today on the happy hour is my friend Jamie Wright and Jamie and her husband live in California and they have three boys. So on this podcast, we discuss a lot about our kids growing up. She's got kids ahead of me, so I was trying to pick her brain for everything I needed to know. We talk a lot about sex trafficking, uh, Jamie's trips with the Exodus Road, and how Jamie is supposedly supposed to be writing a book. So it's a really fun podcast, and I hope you enjoy it. I want to say a couple of thank yous. I want to say thanks to Tracy. She left a comment on my blog, and she was talking about my podcast with Laura Kelly. She said, I cracked up when she mentioned her accent. I love your podcast. As a girl living in the Philly area, all of the Southern accents make me smile. It's so different from what I hear on a daily basis. Almost makes me want to move near y'all. Tracy, I love the y'all. I guess I was told just this weekend that I have a pretty big Southern accent, so I don't know. Thank you to Lindsay Statner. She said, loving Jamie Ivey's Happy Hour podcast about life, current events, ministry, and momming. I want to be all of these women when I grow up. Lindsay, I do have to say I have some pretty awesome women on the show. So thank you guys for listening, and here is my friend Jamie. Welcome, welcome. Thanks. Um, Okay, so a lot of people may not know who you are because I have never interviewed you before. So tell everyone, who is Jamie Wright? Who is Jamie? Well, um... I, I think I'm best known for writing the blog, The Very Worst Missionary. Which I have so many questions about that, but keep going. Oh, good. Okay. But um, I think primarily I'm a wife and a mom of um, older kids. My, my oldest is 20, and I have two teenagers still at home, and um, a writer and, you know, just whatever. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to define yourself. I don't know. I know. So, yeah. I always hate that, too. I'm like, what do I do? Like, who am I? I know, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. do I do like, with my life? It's, actually, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Like, what is this supposed to be doing? <laughs> exactly. I always tell Anne, I'm like, I feel like that I should be like doing more. And he's like, no, you do a lot. You're good. I'm like, okay, well, we're on the same page. There we go. That's Dude, it. wait till your kids are like gone all day and you're still, you still have kind of that stay-at-home mom status, uh-huh. but you have hours and hours and hours every day. And I'm supposed to be a writer, right? So I'm supposed to be filling it with writing, but I'm just like, I, I'm I'm like such a procrastinator that I'll do anything except for write. So I'm I like, too. I feel like I'm wasting my days, just wasting them. I'm a procrastinator. <laughs> like if I have something that I have to do, like I'll actually clean my house, which I hate doing that anyways, but I'll do yeah. it if I have something that I'm supposed to be doing. Absolutely. And my house is spotless right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to be writing. Uh-huh. I'm out of things to do. I'm like, okay, maybe okay. someone will have an emergency and need help. I can uh, babysit for someone or just, yeah, it's terrible. Walk it's someone's terrible. dog. I mean, what do you need me to do? Exactly. Anything that is not sit down and do my job. I did a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, I was, had this talk that I was working on and I just couldn't do it. And I had already like cleaned my house. I had already done everything else. I went and donated blood because I was just <laughs> like, I'll do that. That's fine. That, that, and then I don't have to work on this, you know? That's like such like the, the most beautiful extreme of procrastination exactly. that I've ever heard, and I love it. It's so funny. It's crazy. Okay, so tell me, where did the very worst missionary come from that you thought so, you were that or what? Yeah, well, I was that. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but when I was overseas, my husband and I, we, we lived in Costa Rica for five years as missionaries, and the second year... 
Um, like the first year was all roses and sunshine because it was like an adventure. Like the right. first year we were just like, oh my gosh, we live in Costa Rica. This is the awesome. best. Yeah. And like all that missionary language, like God is using us uh-huh. and we're blessed and, you know, whatever. And then the second year I crashed and burned big time. Like super, super depressed. Didn't want to get out of bed. Didn't get dressed. Barely showered. I mean, just like really really bad. And that's not very quote unquote missionary like. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. The hiding in your house mm-hmm. and not wanting to speak to your neighbors. And <laughs> I mean, like it was ridiculous. And I mean, I could barely, I, I just barely functioning. And I spent a year like that, a whole year of just not wanting to engage in life or the world. Um, and so one of the things that I started doing during that year was blogging. And I, I started it because, um, I felt like, well, since I'm at home, right, <laughs> not going anywhere, I could write to our our like supporters, uh-huh. and family back home, yeah. And I I learned that blogging is way easier to do that than sending out a bunch of emails, for sure. So I was like, this is awesome. I will do, write a blog and then just send everybody the link, and they can check on it whenever they want. Um, and so during that year, at one point, I had written a, I I just sort of had a little meltdown, and yeah. I wrote about it. And that day I changed – before I hit post, I changed the name on my blog to The Very Worst Missionary. And it's it stuck. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And so, how long I mean, ago was that? That was, gosh, a long time ago, probably seven – six or seven years ago. Okay. And I've been writing as The Very Worst Missionary ever since. Ever since. And it is sort of – I mean, it's kind of playful in that – um, I did struggle, obviously, as a missionary, and I do think I did a terrible job as a, as a missionary. But then, because of who I am and the way that I write, and just very blunt and very um, kind of honest, and I use like a lot of everyday language. Like, like you might use that D word. I use all the words, <laughs> all the words. And so when when my blog started to grow, I started getting emails from people that were like legitimately serious, like you really are the very worst missionary because of the things you talk about and the way right. you talk. Like, oh. and so it was really, to me, it was really funny because it was just like, yeah, like this, it was this awesome kind of dichotomy of, um, you know, what really makes you the worst. Right. Exactly. I, I love it. I love it. Okay. I love it so much. And I just, so we met, we've never met in person. I know, but I feel like we have. I know, but we met what? How many, a year and a half ago? Yeah, probably. Two years? Just we have mutual okay. friends online. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I feel like we've met as well. Yeah, like, like yeah, like yeah. we've hung out. It just seems that way. I know. Okay, so you have three boys, right? Mm-hmm. I need you to tell me everything I need to know. There, uh, I wish. Because I wish there was that. my oldest is 10 and your youngest is what? 14. Okay, so you know everything, Jamie. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh my wouldn't gosh, that wouldn't that be awesome? I still don't, oh gosh, it's just, parenting is the worst, it's awful. Parenting it's is so, so hard. hard. I think it I is. just said that to Aaron yesterday, I was like, this is so hard. It It is, it's so, it's so hard. And they are, they're all so different and they all need different things and, you know, you feel like, you start to feel like you get it figured out and then they start puberty and everything changes or whatever. I, I haven't really figured it out yet. Okay, yeah. but you've been through all the stages because you have a 20-year-old. Mm-hmm. So you've been through infant, toddler, preschool, elementary, middle school, high school. What's yep. the worst? Middle school. Really? Middle school is the worst. I'm sorry. Hands to tell down? You, you are right. You're right there. The, I'm about to start it next uh-huh. year. 
Yeah. Middle school is the worst time of any human being's life. Oh, I just, it was the worst time of my, I mean, I look back and, oh my gosh, it was just hard. Yeah. And it is, it is really, it's just tough. All three of my boys just kind of went berserk during middle school and they're good kids. Like it was never this horrible right. thing, but, um, middle school is just torture. And I think it's the age. I think there's, it's this like surge of hormones and, yes. you know, like there's just so much going on in their little bodies and, you know, there's good things about it. Like their head starts to get bigger. So their teeth don't look so big. <laughs> you know, they look more human. <laughs> they look more like Middle that. school is like that awkward stage. Like I look back at pictures of myself and I'm like, oh dear Lord, what is wrong with me? But it's just, you go through this stage where you're just awkward. They're schizophrenic. They're literally trapped between childhood and adulthood and they do not know what to do with themselves. They can't help it. I absolutely believe that. They just, they cannot help it. Okay, so next year I have a sixth grader. What is your like number one thing for me to know? Oh, um, invest in deodorant if you're not. Oh, okay, yes, <laughs> that's the number one thing. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have a stinky house. I mean, you have, I have three boys. You have three boys. Oh, it's disgusting. It's, there, there are days that I think my house smells like it's filled with some sort of gas. Like I feel like if I, if I had a match, we would blow up. That's how it feels. Like it's just so bad. Oh but, my gosh. Um, you know, it's, it gets better. It does get better. Middle school is the worst time though, I think for that. So yeah. invest in deodorant and, um, the, I think middle school is that time where you, everything you've learned about your kid for the last 10 years really becomes important. Like knowing whether or not he's an introvert or an extrovert, knowing whether, what kind of, um, like how he interacts with teachers, knowing what, like how he releases energy and how he like renews himself, like all that stuff. I think that's middle school is when it becomes really important as a parent to help guide your kid through life. Okay. That's good. Knowing like with all that stuff. I have one son who I would call an introvert. Well, I mean, as much as we can know about their person, he's eight, you know, but he also, he's like the one that he doesn't really want to talk about his feelings very much. So I don't know if that makes him an introvert, but like, I have to like literally pull stuff out of him. Whereas I have another son that will just vomit up all his feelings to me. And I told Aaron, I was like the, the one it's my son Deacon that I kind of have to pull things from. I said, I think I'm really going to struggle when he's older because I'm going to take it personally. Uh huh. Like, why don't you tell me anything? Why don't you want to talk about your feelings? And that's just not who he is. Mm-hmm. That will be my number one struggle when he's in middle school, I guarantee you. Is that I'm just that's like, totally- I won't parent him the way he needs to be. You know what I mean? Like what you just said. Like know the differences. It's hard. It's really hard. And I I mean, I do it with my kids too. Like I know what I need, what I want from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I, like personally, I take it personally when they don't give me what I want. Um, but yeah, I think, it, I think they're just – their little brains are in so much turmoil during those two or three years that it, as a parent, I just think it becomes super important to know them and, and parent them based on that knowledge, you know? I love that. I think that Aaron and I are going to love high school kids. It's so fun. Oh my gosh. That's what I think. I think it's going to be so fun. Oh, it is. I love it. I absolutely love it. There's my kids are hilarious. They're funny. They're fun to talk to. They, they, I mean, Oh my gosh. I love having high schoolers. That is such an encouragement because I can see like my oldest is 10 and sometimes he'll say something and I'll look at him and I'll be like, that was really funny. I mean, where did that, where did that come from? You're funny. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, my youngest is six and she still is kind of like, you know, she's six. So I keep thinking, man, this is going to be fun when all of these kids are in high school. It is. It really is. It's, I love it. 
I absolutely love it. I love high school. I hate having an adult child. Okay, that's, now this is, is oh, that the worst? It's the worst thing that's ever happened to me is have oh a kid turn 18. Like all of a sudden you're just not in control and they can do whatever dumbass thing they want to oh, do. And man. you have to just watch. Oh, that is so hard. It's terrible. Okay, it's, does your oldest still live with you? No, he moved out. So he is that out. hard? Like were you sad and happy at the same time? Yeah, yeah. I was honestly, I was more happy than sad. Right. <laughs> um, it was good. It was good for all of us, and we all, everybody knew like it was time. It was, yeah. you know, hurt. It was difficult for our relationship, and we all love each other very much. My husband and my son and our oldest and I, and so we we really wanted to preserve yeah. our that love for each other, and we felt like him moving out was probably the best thing, you know, way to do that. I had a friend who she always had kids, like, you know, stages ahead of me, and I always, I said to her one time, like, I think I'm going to be so sad when my kids leave, and she's like, you won't. They'll be so ready. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. a new stage, and Mm -hmm. it's just, that's how it should be. Mm -hmm. It's scary. I mean, it's certainly scary. Like, I worry, I worry, which I'm not a worrier, but Mm -hmm. I worry now, which I've, like, as a parent, that's never really been a thing for me. But because I don't see him every day and because I don't know what's yeah. going on, you know, uh, yeah, it's like the only thing I have to cling to is just thoughts about, you know, his demise. What's <laughs> he doing? Know. Is he okay? Yeah. Yeah. Like, is he eating? Is he, I don't, you know, whatever. Uh, but um, but it's good. It's really good. And we do see him. He comes over frequently. So it's not like. Well, sometimes yeah. Aaron and I have the conversation of like, as soon as all these kids are gone, we're just going to live it up. Like. Mm-hmm. I want to move in a condo downtown Austin. Yep. I'm not going to have a guest room for them. Like yep. I'm just going to do everything that I've never been able to do. Seriously, like we're like we're like live the dream. That is totally where we're at. Our, yeah. our youngest is 14. We have a few more years of just being kind of needed on a daily uh-huh. basis in some way, and then that's it. We're done. So we're we're super stoked. We're telling our kids we're like we want you to go away to college. Like, oh, <laughs> don't stay away. home. Yes. Okay, don't worry about it. That's what a second mortgage is for. Don't yes. Worry. We'll send you all away. <laughs> we will absolutely. And you know, we think it's valuable for them, but we also are really looking forward to just being alone. Yeah. Are any of your boys dating? Um God, you know, I don't know. <laughs> See, that's what stresses me out too is I Aaron is always worried that I'm going to be like the mean mom to girlfriends. Not mm-hmm. that I want to be by any means, but I think I'll just be like, I know what you're up to because I used to be 16. You're a yeah. little, uh, I don't trust you. You know, like I don't I, want to be that way. Right. I actually thought I would be a really cool mom to my kids' girlfriends, yeah. but I'm not. I'm actually like hackles raised. It's it's terrible. I do feel a little bit weird and um, overprotective with the whole dating thing. Um, but you know, I don't know my oldest, I don't know if he's, I don't think he's dating anyone right now. It's, it's certainly not seriously. Cause he would tell us he's that kind of kid. Right. But, um, and our, our younger two are in, they're doing sports now and it takes all of their time and all of their energy. They have enough left each day to do their homework and pass out. And you're like, that's great. And it's the best thing ever. Didn't you tell me your kids were doing rowing? They are. They're doing. Yeah, they're doing. They're rowing crew, which is, is that like what it's called. Like, what yeah. would you call that? Crew. Row, yeah. Crew. Okay. It's like the most obnoxious, like white people sport <laughs> you could even imagine. What it is seriously. I mean, they literally just row, right? They. I mean, it's it's huge, like workout. Like it's it's a great uh-huh. it's a great sport. Like yeah. they are are putting in a huge amount of effort. Um, but. 
they, yeah, they, it's a team sport. So they row in like, you know, boats of eight or four, whatever their team looks like that day. And they, yeah, they row, but it is like the, it's the worst workout ever. I can't even imagine wanting to do it for fun. Oh no, I would do the rowing machines. Like when I used to work Mm -hmm. out back in my former days Mm -hmm. and I mean like 10 minutes on the rowing machine, I'm just about to pass out. Right. So they do that two and a half hours every day. Oh my word. I bet your kids are getting just ripped. They are. They, it's amazing. They're like men. Yes, they are. They're like, they are, they're getting big. I love it. But they, um, they're nerds. Like this is the first sport they've done in their, like, you know, since they played soccer when they were little or whatever. And we finally, um, this year just said, you know what, everybody's picking a sport. We don't care what it is. You have our support. You can, you know, run track or you can, I don't, we don't care. Take hip hop dancing. We don't care, but you are going to do something that is not sitting on your computer or watching TV. And so why did y'all do that? Just to get them off the computer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and also we just felt like they were really missing out on mm-hmm. something like that. Just even like the friendship and the camaraderie, but the, but the physical aspects, there's so much good stuff that athleticism brings to your life. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So we really, we were like, you know what, we don't care what it is, but pick it. So they picked the most expensive. <laughs> of course they did. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so we're scrambling to make it work, but it's worth it. You're so like, worth- kids, you need a cheaper sport because I have to send you to college soon. I know. Away, across the country. Well, now we're like, fingers crossed for rowing scholarships. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. we, we must have a rowing team here at uh, Texas at the university because when I go down to run at Town Lake, there's always like rowing people in the little boats practicing. Mm-hmm. So I oh, guess we do. do. If you have a calm lake, you probably have a rowing team. We have a calm lake. There you go. Wow. Yep. And it's great, too, because the, you, you can't start until you're a freshman in high school. Sometimes oh, they'll good. do, like, special year. Like, you can do a uh, you know, special program if you're in seventh or eighth grade. But, like, you literally cannot be a part of the team until you are in high school. So they're all co- in high school. So they're all, they're all coming in at the same level. That's great. It's amazing. It's, oh, it's just been so fun, honestly. That's really, really good. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. 
I personally love a good 45 minute hip hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. Okay. How long have you been married? 20 years. 20 years. Did yes. y'all do anything to celebrate 20? Um, did we? We went, we like went overnight. We spent overnight. Oh, you know what we did? We went and spent a night in a, the bed and breakfast that we stayed the night at when we got married. Oh, that's sentimental. It was cute. Yeah, it was fun. Someone the other day was asking me what city I honeymooned in and I cannot for the life of me remember. It was in New <laughs> Hampshire, but I have no idea what city it was. Yeah, it was a long time ago, right? Just, it was 14 years ago. How am I supposed to remember that? Yeah. Yep. I've always thought about that we should go back to the same cabin, but I mean, I don't know where it was, so good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some research <laughs> yeah, or something. But I think that would be fun. Yeah, I, we didn't even do, we haven't had a honeymoon. I think we sort of thought we would do something special at 10 years or yeah. 20 years, but you know life, man, it gets in the way. It does. Well, you only have a few more years till all these kids are gone. Mm-hmm. Then every day's a honeymoon, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, you think? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Okay, you live in California. What part of California do you live in? Northern California outside of Sacramento. Okay. Folsom. So, Folsom. Okay, so I found this thing online that said the most romantic California beaches. Mm -hmm. So maybe I can, you guys can find a honeymoon spot here. Okay, so tell me if you've been to any of these and if they're romantic. Okay. Okay, number one is Coronado Central Beach. It's uh, outside of San Diego? Yeah, it's a beautiful beach, but it's busy and it's got a lot of like hot girls. So oh, I, would feel I wouldn't want to take Aaron there. Yeah. Is it that one that is an island kind of? Coronado? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've never been there. It's really beautiful. Honestly, it's cool. Okay. Laguna Beach? Um, Laguna Beach is where like, again, it's like where the, all the hot college students are, but it's, it's, no, Laguna Beach is not romantic. No, it's okay. not. All right. Pacific Beach. I don't know Pacific Beach. Okay. It's San Diego too. I don't know it either. Okay, Newport Beach. These are all way, way south of me too, I should say. Yeah. I've only, I, I can only comment on the ones I've been to. Um, I honestly, I know I've been to Newport Beach, but I can't remember it. <laughs> I went to Newport Beach two years ago. Isn't that where, um, you know, that TV show? <laughs> That's a good thing. You know where they have the, uh, oh my gosh, it just Arrested Development. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what did they have the stand? The banana stand? The thing? banana stand. Don't they have this out at Newport Beach? I think that's where I was. I don't, Um, I honestly. Yeah, it has this big carnival thing, um, so I've been there. But I didn't actually hang out at the beach. I was like, Carmel Beach? Caramel? Carmel. Carmel. Carmel is gorgeous, yeah. But it's cold. Actually, it's romantic, yeah. There's like a lot of, it's cold. So all the like beaches, once you get up north, they're cold and rocky and um, like you have to get, a, you have to take a sweatshirt in the summer and it's good cause you have to like cuddle and uh, that's why it's romantic. Yeah, it is. They really are. Yeah. I picture like a fire on the beach mm-hmm. and glasses of wine and the waves it's, coming in. See, that's yep. romantic. Yeah, exactly. I would love that. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Jamie, I told you this a couple months ago when I called you and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with this, but, um, you do a lot with an organization that works with, um, sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. And so I just have a pinky toe in sex trafficking organization here in Austin called Redeem Ministries Mm -hmm. um, that I want to jump into and serve with. And I mean, I've told you this before. It's like you, you hear about it and you're like, if I could just forget I heard this and then I could just go on with my life 
and I would never have to think about it again. Yes. Um, but I just can't, I keep thinking about it. And so you went on a trip this summer mm-hmm. um, with X's Road. Can you tell us, A, what you did when you're there, what you saw? I mean, that's this is this is like three days worth of questions, but just give us a, a lowdown uh, for people that are listening um, that might be thinking about supporting organizations like this. I mean, what did you do there? So I went, yeah, I went out with the Exodus Road to Southeast Asia, and this is actually the second year um, that I've gone out with them to kind of partner and use my platform, like my blog readership, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of introduce them to their organization and the work that they're doing. They work in primarily in search and rescue overseas, um, although they do work here in the U.S. as well, but mostly Southeast Asia and India, and they um, fund investigators professional, like trained people who know what they're doing to, um, find victims of trafficking and slavery. Mm. So they go into these investigators and we did this with them. They, we, they go into bars and brothels and they, um, they know what to look for. They, they look mostly for underage girls um, and boys. And so there's things that they look for, but they start conversations with, with, um, prostitutes and, through just like asking really careful questions, they kind of, they're able to deduce, you know, where, where a girl is from. And Mm -hmm. there are certain cities that produce a lot of trafficking and a lot of slavery. And, um, you know, sometimes they can ask, they can find out if a girl has had her passport taken away or, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if she's, you know, 14 years old or whatever, they, they they're able to just kind of piece things together because they are professional investigators. investigators. Right. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and then they create a case file and they go to the local police with it and they help the police, um, bust these brothels and their owners and the traffickers that are moving, um, people around the country for, for the sex trade. So it's, it's really incredible, really incredible work. Um, super intense though. It's so intensely, I mean, going into these bars and brothels, they're strip clubs. I mean, they're, did y'all go in? Oh yeah, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. We kind of paired up and it's not that unusual for women um or couples to go mm-hmm. in and buy a girl or for two like lesbians to go in and find a girl. So it's not like crazy that women would be there. Right. But we all spread out um and and kind of went off in pairs or group small groups into these bars. The first year that we went, I actually went with my husband and we went in together to these oh, um wow like strip clubs filled with naked, beautiful naked girls. Okay. That would be really hard. How was that with your husband going in? Um, it was really you and just for him, his own, you know? Yeah. It, you know what? It was really hard. Um, I think there was, there was this point on that trip where I was like, you know, we need an out. Like if this just becomes too much for either one of us, we need to be able to walk away. For sure. And well, yeah. And so I was like, we need like a, you know, a, a code word or a something. A hand sign or something, yeah. <laughs> wink, wink, and then that's yeah. it. So we, and then later that night or the next night, I don't remember, but we were in this like really particularly gross, like nasty, mm-hmm. uh, kinky bar. Mm. And the women were all naked and they were doing horrible things or, you know, they were being asked to do horrible things. And right I there just, in front of you. Oh, yeah. Just the most degrading, dehumanizing thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was just like, that's it. I, I just, I was sitting there watching this thinking I need to leave. Yeah. I need to, this is too hard for me. Right. And, um, these girls, this girl scooted in next to me, just totally naked, scooted into the booth next to me. And, um, she was eating, this is a 
prostitute and she was eating like a bag of chips and she asked me if I wanted any and started asking me questions. I mean, you know, like, did I fly on a plane and in broken English? Gotcha. And in that moment, I just realized like, I, I get to walk away uh-huh. whenever I want, but she doesn't. Yeah. And, um, you know, just realizing that like, like I, it, it's not, it's not right. It's not right for the good people, the people who want good things for these girls to be intimidated by how hard it is. Mm. You know, it's not right. If I'm not willing to take a risk, even to risk the health of my marriage, um, you know, what good am I? Like, what? like these I'm, girls are worth it. Yeah, like they are. And, and it, as a Christian, we better get comfortable going into dark places and seeing dark things. Mm-hmm. Like we, we can't expect the light to show up if we aren't willing to be uncomfortable. That's so right. It's so good. I mean, I'm even like dealing with that here because one of the ministries that this organization has is a ministry of women that go into the same place every Mm -hmm. single week um, Mm -hmm. in effort to just build any kind of relationship with these girls. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am so hesitant to do that because, you know, I'm so, it'll be so hard. You know, I keep thinking like, it'll be so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really encouraging what you said, you know, like it's worth it for these girls. Yeah, it is. It is. And like just the idea of, 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 of being the only person in the room mm. that isn't there to take advantage, to exactly. use, use them. Like you're the only, you may be the only person in the room. So was that, um, was that, did they realize these people are not here to use me or what did they think of you? No, they thought we were um, clients, potential okay. clients, and okay. we go in playing the part and being like, you know, you're happy to be there. You have a smile on your face. You're looking. Oh, the my girl. gosh, Jamie. You know, yes, like it was intense, um, but that's how it has to get done. And even like the guys, um, sometimes they have to go into these areas that are like known for pedophiles and they have to act like pedophiles in order to find out, you know, where to buy kids. Mm-hmm. And so they are really taking on, um, just this darkness that, that the rest of the world, well, like you said, we, it's so much easier just to pretend it's not happening. Oh, I mean, I've heard about, you know, sex trafficking and all of the initiatives for, you know, the past couple of years, but I just think sometimes you can just hear about something and until you really like turn around and look at it and open your eyes, it's just, it doesn't mean that much to you. And so, um, I think I told, I read a book this summer, which I've talked about a hundred times on this podcast called girls like us. And it just was the first, it was the first time that I ever thought, Oh my gosh, that this is not okay. Like this is, this is, I, I, I just, I can't even wrap my brain around it. I remember I would read some pages and I would put it down and I'd be like, I don't even have a space in my brain for what I just read. Right. It doesn't even make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and working with this ministry here, we're working on a big fundraiser that's coming up in a couple of weeks. And I just keep telling people, I just hate that we have to even like have ministries that their sole job is to deal with women after they've been trafficked or to go in and investigate men who are selling women. You know, it's just crazy. It is. It and is. I feel like, like, I don't know about you, but I feel like this is not like com- talked about. Like this isn't like a common thing that people talk about in life. That yeah. this is happening, you know? Yeah. I, I think especially in the U.S., I mean, we are just so, com- we're so comfortable. And honestly, like, I don't want my life disrupted in this way. And to be honest, it has just even getting into the whole, um, 
the whole, like seeing clearly into the picture of trafficking and slavery, it has like screwed up so many things in my life mm-hmm. <laughs> that I really like, like shopping. Like right. I like to buy shoes, but now when I buy shoes, I'm like, who made these? Was this made by a slave? Yeah. Like, you know, and, um, just kind of, it, it has seeped into every part of everything and now I can't forget it. And I, I think that's part of why we don't hear about it as often as we should, or it's, it's not like openly talked about Mm -hmm. the way it should be is because once you hear about it, you have to make a decision. Like either you're going to allow it or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does. It changes everything you think about. Like if you go to target and you find something and you're like, wow, this whole pack of this is a dollar 50. This is Mm -hmm. crazy. How can they sell this for a dollar 50? How do they make any money? Right. Because it was made by an eight year old. Exactly. You know, and so that's, that's a hard thing. You'd rather not think about it. Yeah. You'd rather just get a good deal. Yeah. And, and it's super complicated. It's not even as simple as, as saying, Hey, you know, I don't, I won't support, I won't buy things from Asia because that's not, that's not the answer either. Like commerce is good. Industry is good. Like if, if you have resources and you're putting them into the world, that's a good thing. It's just more about being like, like, what does it look like to be a responsible consumer in light of knowing that people are being trafficked and, and, you know, and I, and so like for me, the sex, the whole sex trafficking thing has just kind of snowballed into a whole lot, like a much bigger picture of like how I'm spending my time and my money. And Mm -hmm. it's just really screwed things up. It's so crazy. It is really crazy. I mean, the crazy thing for me too, is when the person that runs this organization here, when she took me driving around the city that I live in and pointed out brothels, Mm -hmm. I was just like, this can't be right here by, this is, you're, you can't be serious. Yep. You cannot it, be serious that there's one less than a quarter mile from my house that I live in. Isn't it crazy? And you had no idea. No, I just thought That's, it was a nasty strip club. Seriously. We came, we came back from Southeast Asia the first, that first trip. And the first time we drove around our town, we were like, oh my gosh, all, look how many, look how many tiny Asian mm-hmm. massage parlors there exactly. are in our town. And like, it, it, they're they're to- they're open at midnight. It's crazy. No, it's you're just like, oh my gosh, these are brothels. Yeah. All Who's getting a massage at midnight? Come on. Yeah. Well, well, if you sit outside long enough, you'll see, and it is that <laughs> even that you're just like, oh my gosh, these poor girls. Oh my gosh. Okay, I love I loved following you along on that trip, and I'm going to put a link up to all your posts about that because it was really informative and. You know, if if you're listening, you're like, I really don't have space in my brain for this. I really encourage you just to like, just to read stuff. You know, I think that's where it starts is Jamie, you doing stuff where you write about it. Like that is just, it's opening people's eyes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so needed. So w- great job. Way to go. I love that so much. <laughs> um, okay. Question for you about, um, TV. Do y'all watch a lot of TV? Um, I go through like spurts of like, I'll watch something like power, watch something on Netflix I don't even – honestly, I don't even know how to work my TV. I don't know how to turn it on or – I mean, I guess I know how to turn it on. I don't know how to make it show things. <laughs> um, so I'm, I guess I could say I'm not a huge TV watcher, but, like, I will get into a series or something on Netflix. What are you watching right now? Right now – Anything? No, I'm not watching anything right now. What was the last best series that you watched? Um, well, I just made forced my husband to watch House of Cards, oh, which yeah. – because I watched it, and uh-huh. I, so I kind of that's so I guess I watched that twice. So I guess I think that was good. Um, when does that come back on? I don't know. I don't either. 
Um, Did y'all watch Breaking Bad? I We are not finished with Breaking Bad, and I missed so much of it that I feel like I would have to start at the beginning. Yeah. I started, and then I couldn't get into it. But I heard that you had to get like a couple, like I don't like maybe one or two seasons in for it to be amazing. I'm sure that's true. That's I, what I heard. I what happens when we watch things is that my family will get into something, and so they'll turn it on at you know six thirty when I'm doing the dishes. Oh, and you're like, thanks. Yeah, and so they'll watch three episodes while I'm you know cleaning up the kitchen. Laundry. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, at 9, they're like, i got to go do my homework, and my husband will change to something else, and I'm like, okay, then. <laughs> well, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's... Thanks, um, guys. Uh, okay, well, did you see about the mom who... Their bra- there's a Breaking Bad, um, I guess, like, character thing that you can buy mm-hmm. at Toys R Us. Like, it's the guy's character, and it... You know, like, you would buy, like, a G.I. Joe or something. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And she's, like, um, protesting to have it taken out of the toy store. Because he's a meth. Cause they, cause they I make guess meth so, jokes. yeah. <laughs> you but know, my thing is, don't you have to buy those things for your kids? Totally. Absolutely. And and to pretend like, I mean, I don't know. I don't I, know. Just, I'm like, I. anytime anyone wants to champion something, I'm proud of them for taking a stand. But my thing was like, I mean, I guess I can just not buy it for them, right? Exactly. Exactly. Like, don't buy it. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't, you know, if you want to protest violence, then don't let your kids draw it, dress up as like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Because that's violence. Yeah, I mean, it's they're underground. Just, yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, we. <laughs> I didn't do this, but I was going to do this. I was going to make my kids, um, like, <laughs> because I have to explain this because they were super into it, and my kids are older. They're uh-huh. not. We were going to put, we were going to do like blue, um, rock, rock candy uh-huh. and put it in their stockings as like, <laughs> which I guess is not funny to put pretend meth, meth in, your in your kid's stockings. stockings. I don't know. I mean, Santa, you don't know about him these days. Is that bad? I guess, I mean, I guess when I think about it like that, it's kind of like weird. But it was like inside family thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> when I, I was telling someone, speaking of like not wanting your kids to do violence and stuff. I was telling some moms this morning that when Aaron and I first had kids, we were like, we're not going to have any guns in our house. Like, we are not going to allow our kids to play with guns. We are anti-violence, you know? Mm-hmm. And then boys, all they do is you they pick up something and they start shooting. Like, it totally. can be like a pencil. And they eat, yeah, they'll eat like a wedge of toast into the yes. shape of the sun. Yes. And Every- I was just cracking up because I was like, our little plan of like, no violence in the home, anti-guns. Mm-hmm. Totally, my kids just started making guns. It's just so <laughs> crazy. It's like in them. I don't know. It is in them. But I was like thinking like, well, we tried. I mean, we did our best. (laughs) We did our best. Well, and you didn't put meth, pretend meth in their stockings. You know, that was next. So we were going to do that. (laughs) We're going to wait till they're at least 14 though. Yeah, that's That's, smart. That's what I think we're going to wait for. Um, Okay, Jamie, what are you reading these days? Are you a reader? I am a reader. I... um... I have not had much time to read lately. Me so neither. I'm, I'm really slacking. So what I, well, this is the best. I, so I did, I do like an audible membership oh, and listen, yeah. I listen to books when I clean my house. Okay. That's really good. Oh my gosh. It is awesome. I love it. So what are you listening to? Well, okay. So I like fiction. <laughs> Me too. No, I love fiction. All kind. I mean, I like all kinds of, all kinds of fiction. Um, 
I, and I listened to, this is like a really, I think this book was totally from the eighties, but I listened to the Prince of Tides. Have you heard of that? Uh, yes, because I mean, I know it's a movie. It was a horrible movie. But like who a, wrote it? Oh gosh. Okay. I can't remember either, but I feel like that he wrote a bunch of movies kind of like that that were made into movies. That's probably true. He wrote the books made into movies. Well, I loved it. I told, I was blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, I love this book so much. Okay, good. Uh, It was, it was just fun. It was good. It was fun to listen to. And, um, yeah. And honestly, I have a stack of books on my bedside table that I'm like, I gotta get. Have you read Unbroken? No. Do do you think it interests you at all? Do you know what it's Um, about? No, I don't know what it's about. Okay, so this everyone was talking about this book just like two years ago or whatever, and it's a book about World War II. And so I was like thinking, I do not want to read this. That does not interest me at all. Um, and then I found that there was a movie coming out, and I like to read books before the movie comes out. So I'm like, okay, everyone's talking about this. I'm going to read it. Mm-hmm. It was one of the best books I've ever read in my entire life. Mm. Um, and it's so much more about, I mean, it's a true story. So it's not fiction, but it is crazy what this man went through. And literally, it's so well written. It's the same. The same girl wrote it that wrote, oh, that horse movie. Oh gosh, uh, uh, never mind because I can't think. Was of the it. movie? Was the movie also called Unbroken? Or yes, was it- but it comes out just Christmas Day. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so it's not out yet. Um, but I heard a lot of people. The reason I said it is because I heard a lot of people listen to it. So check that out because it is oh, so wow. good. Oh, I totally, I totally will. That sounds, I would, that's absolutely something I would listen to. And the movie comes out Christmas Day, so there you go. Perfect. Do you all go to the movies on Christmas Day? We have. Um, I, yeah, not, we don't usually, but we, I think, I, well, I know we have, but it's not like our our big tradition for us. We always go see Elf, you know, the oh, whole, uh, yes. yes. Elf is the best. So that's like, we started doing that, I guess we've done it two years with our kids, so that's like our thing. That's, that's, that's a good tradition. You yeah. got to keep it going. Yeah. That's yeah. worthwhile. Yeah. So do y'all travel for the holidays? Nope. Not anymore. That's so we, wonderful. Yeah. It, well, yeah, we have family too. Like my family is in town and so is his family. So it can be a little bit tricky just trying to figure out where to go, you know, who we're going to spend what time with. But, um, his fam. well, both of our families are really flexible. So it's not, it's never like a huge problem. It just makes for very, very busy holidays. You're constantly going. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron's parents live out of state now. And so we'll do that trip like once a year. Mm-hmm. And so we went this summer. And so, you know, these holidays are going to be a little more laid back for us, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I feel like your husband works at a church and so does mine. And I feel like the Christmas is kind of crazy. It's insane. So we don't go anywhere for Christmas. Yep. I think we did 11 services last year for Christmas. Oh my gosh. And I... I spoke, I did like a little spoken piece in, in, during the service and my husband was also working. So we were both there for like, uh, it was just ridiculous. Like it three was, days. Did you do that spoken thing 11 times? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It, I mean, it was just a little piece, a little like five yeah, minutes. Yeah, but still, that's just like a lot. Yeah, it was. It was a lot. Good for you. Good for you. Now you don't have to do anything this Christmas because you did it last year. Exactly. I'm off the hook. Yeah. What does your husband do at your church? He's a, um, the, well, missions? technically he's the director. Yeah. He's okay. a pastor of missions and outreach. Okay, cool. Was he so, a pastor before y'all went to Costa Rica? He was a cop. Shut up. I didn't know that. Yeah. He was a cop for 10 years. And then, um, I think I did know that deputy sheriff. And so, yeah, he, he works as a cop for 
10 years and then we became missionaries and now he's a pastor. So it's very weird. That's a very, those are like three very distinctly different. I mean, I guess missionary and pastor aren't that different, but you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And it was just, yeah, it's been really interesting. Would he ever want to be a cop again? Um, I don't think so. He misses it. Like there are definitely things about his job that, you know, his prior career that he misses. Um, but yeah, I mean, he wouldn't like at this point, he wouldn't go back into it. I always think being married to a cop, were you ever like worried and scared? Mm-mm. Never. Oh, you said you're not a worrier. So you did that. Yeah, I, I really wasn't. I mean, he, you know, like I just, I, I'm not a worrier, but I always, he, he loved his job and he was happy. And yeah. so I just felt like, well, why wouldn't I be excited about this for him? For sure. It was fun. It was fun. It's fun being married to a cop because you hear the most every day is like the most amazing stories. Oh, because he comes home and just tells you oh. about crazy things that happened. Yes, every day. And every time you have friends over, it's just like you have so much to talk story about. Story after story after story. It's fun, yeah. That's so funny. We, in our little neighborhood that we live in, there is sometimes can be a lot of police activity. Mm-hmm. And the other day, like the police were driving up and down the street. And I'm like, Aaron, I'm going to go out there. And he's like, what are you going to do? Ask them what's happening? I'm like, yes. So I rolled out there and they, I like flagged them down and was like, Hey, can y'all tell me what's happening? And they were so nice. Mm -hmm. Aaron was like, they're not going to tell you. I'm like, well, they did. Yeah. They just let me in. I like was wanting to just jump in the car and go with them on their little look. Yep. They're like just normal people. Normal people (laughs) doing their jobs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. What, anything exciting coming up in your life lately, Jamie? No, not really. I'm, no, there's nothing exciting. I'm supposed to be writing a book. I've, I've, okay, that's what I was getting at. Can you tell us about it? <laughs> it's, no, I can't because it's not written. I don't even know. Um, I have had I have an agent, and I have been supposed to be writing a book for like five years. <laughs> Which, so, if anyone reads your blog, they would know that they were wanting you to write a book. That's sweet. It I, is. You you have true. stuff in there to say. So, what is your book going to be about whenever you write it? Well, I want, I'm really fascinated by this, um, idea of like kind of breaking kind of the breakdown of, of what we believe, like, I don't know. I don't know how to see. It's going to be such a good book. I don't, <laughs> this is why. Um, so let me say this, this let me say it this way. Okay. When I became a missionary, um, and we moved overseas and I melted down, uh-huh. I feel like I had a huge kind of reawakening in my faith okay. in that everything crumbled. It, everything that I believed and kind of all of the, it was just like this, you know, straw house yeah. went up in flames and I was only left with this very, um, basic foundation uh-huh. of, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus and everything else became a question. Right. It's kind of like you were, you were finding your faith for the first time. Yeah, really like yeah. finding true place mm-hmm. of like. I like not just spewing things that I'd heard or been taught, but that really discovering who Jesus is and why he's significant for my life and the life of the people around me. And that, that kind of burning down the house, Mm -hmm. that's the easy part. Like you get, you're fired up and and it's easy to kind of break down all these things about the church that you find um, alarming or, Mm -hmm. or disgusting or unbearable or whatever, like churches are screwed up. And so it's easy to kind of like tear it all down um, but then you're, then you're in this place where you're just, you have nothing left. You just have this foundation. And I think a lot of people feel stuck there. Yeah. And I certainly did for a long time. Um, and even still I'm struggling to kind of get out of that place where, where do you move forward? How do you move forward from there? And what does that look like? Um, 
Like how do we, you know, go from breaking it all down and what do we build up after Mm -hmm. that? I think that's good. And I would guess that probably a lot of people who are in your and I's um, age group, mm-hmm. if we grew up in church, that it would be really easy for us to just build our faith on what we were taught mm-hmm. and on like our family values kind of, you know, yep. instead of really like finding for yourself, what do I believe? Like, how has God changed me? And mm-hmm. not just like, I'm not just spewing off a list of the things that, that I think that I've been taught, you know, like really finding Jesus, like you said. Right. The problem, and it's great, which is, it's an, that's an awesome process, but then you get to the end of it and you see all, you've kind of broken down all these things and and you've kind of, your eyes have been opened to all the kind of junk in the church and all the garbage ministry and all the waste and all the selfishness and all the pride. And it's easy to get kind of bitter and get stuck in that place. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's easy to get scared uh-huh. because you don't want to move forward for fear of doing something wrong Yeah, because you've spent, you know, whatever, a year pointing out everything that everybody's doing wrong. Um, and so that, that I think is the space that I really want to speak into is what does it look like when it's time to move forward? Yeah, that's good because I've been in a place where Aaron and I have both been in a place before we were, we were just cynics. We yes. Were just like, and that is it. It is just it's soul crushing. I mean, yep. you cannot survive there. Yeah, it's a crisis, and you it's, cannot I, survive in that place. I agree, and I think that a lot of people, um, that a lot of people walk away from the church because of that. Because yeah. of exactly that, you cannot survive. Yeah. In that space, and for us personally, like it was like we were in this cynical place, and we were just so cynical towards the church, and so mm-hmm. cynical towards God's people. But then we, we stepped, like you said, we came into that spot and found freedom and, um, grace and all kinds of stuff. And God really moved in our lives. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, just that we're still able to be like, this is God's people. These are, this is his church and we all make mistakes, you know? Um, but we, we came to terms with our own, our own stuff, you know? Yeah. Yep. I love it. Well, I think that you need to get off this uh, podcast and you need to go right (laughs) <laughs> so you you're saying I should go clean my toilets? <laughs> yeah, you should go like launder your your carpets. I mean, come on. There is a blood donation bank a block from my house, and I think I'm headed there today. That's... You definitely should go save some lives that way. Exactly. Writing a book is so dang hard. Ugh, it's... I've never written one, but it's on my bucket list. So who knows? Well, I hope you do, and you can have my agent. <laughs> I'm not doing any good. So. Oh my gosh. Well, I can't wait till you do this because I think that it's going to be awesome. I hope. I don't know. I hope so. I'm very just like whatever about it. I just I, I do want to get it done. But Yeah. You know, we'll and, um, you know, I read Bird by Bird. Have you read that? Yes. Love uh, that. That after I put that book down. I was like, dang it. I'm writing a book today. Like mm-hmm. this is going to happen. But I remember <laughs> something she said in there that was just so moving for me that she was just like, even if you just get out what you need to say. And it's for your own good and your children. Like, it's worth it. And so I'm always yeah. like, okay, like, even if I just write stuff down and, like, it's for my kids, then I can count it worth it. Okay, I right. did it. You know? Yeah, there's value in that. I yeah. Totally, yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm just, I'm not, like, a prolific writer and I'm not, I mean, I don't feel like, um, like, this wasn't my lifelong dream to be a writer. It's right. something that I kind of fell into and I was like, oh, I actually am not that bad at this. Like, right. I, you know, people read stuff that I write, which is really cool. And I love that. I'm super grateful. Yeah. But getting my head around the fact that like I have the opportunity to write and publish a book has just been like, it's kind of scary to me. So I always say that it's, it's like, 
I don't know, like it's what I just said about like if only my kids read it, that would be fine. But if, mm-hmm. but that's really not true. Like I don't want to write a book and just four people buy it. You know, yeah, exactly. So there's like some encouragement in that. But at the end of the day, you're like, well, that I just wasted four years of my life. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're just like, that's bull crap. That's, I that's just to sell. Yeah. We need to sell some books over here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. There is an element of like I don't want to do this for nothing. Yeah. Or, you know, just my kids. <laughs> and you're, and really, my kids wouldn't even read it. They'd be like, I live with you. What my do I kids need don't read, read my with? blog. Nobody. No. Yeah, my family stays away from the it's stuff. It's so crazy because they're afraid you're going to write about them. I, my husband says it's because, and <laughs> I believe this, um, he says we, ex, you know, we have different perspectives. And so the way we experience life looks uh-huh. different from each of us. And it's hard for him I think to just be like, oh, well, okay, that's how she saw that, but that's not how I saw it. I don't right. know. And that's, I mean, I write from a place of like truth and yeah. my of honesty, but um, I know that it's just sometimes he's just rolling his eyes like, oh gosh, you know, Come on. so he doesn't read it, which that's is, definitely. I'm totally fine with that. I always give Aaron a hard time because he doesn't listen to my podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, but he's just like, his point is like, why would I want to just listen to two girls talk? Like, come on. This is more for girls. I'm like, okay, I'll give you that. When people say things to Steve, like they'll be like, oh, your wife on Facebook said whatever. (laughs) They're like, don't you read her stuff? And he's like, I live it. I'm there every day. Yes. He's like, I don't need the the replay. This is my life. Uh, (laughs) Okay, Jamie, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. It was so fun. And so I look forward to your book about finding our way back to church and your book on raising teenage boys and um, how I'm going to make it through middle school. Like, this is all I need from you. All right. I'm going to get cracking on all three of those. (laughs) Right right on that right there. Yes. Uh, It's like, haven't we said before, but that there's like millions of blogs about like parenting toddlers, Mm -hmm. but nobody writes about like. I'm, I'm, my 15 year old is going to drive me insane. Like that's like, you can't, you can't just write that. Nope. You can't, you can't write about your teenagers cause it's, they read because it. well, they hate it. But also when your teenager, when your kids become older, you are an idiot. You don't know anything anymore and that's everything yep. like, yeah, yeah, it's bad. Oh, I'm going to make it though. I can do it. You are. Oh my gosh. You because are. on the other side of that is like, everyday honeymoon remember like oh, yes I'm so close <laughs> yes you're so close <laughs> just me and my husband 24 hours all day every okay, day now, some of that I'm like we, someone needs to go to work here <laughs> yes we can't do this either there's got to be some balance exactly oh so, okay Jamie thank you so much everything that we chatted out I'll put links on the blog so thanks for awesome. joining me thanks for having me this was awesome okay have a good day you too bye Okay, guys, I told you that you would love Jamie. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Go over and send her a little encouraging note to help to get right on that book because I cannot wait to read it. She's a great writer. Again, thanks for listening. One of the great ways that other people can find out about this podcast is you guys. So thanks for spreading the word. If you subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, I would love a comment. It helps people find the podcast easier. If you'd like to leave a comment on my blog, I love that as well. You can find me over at jamieivy.com. And again, all of the notes that we talked about today, any link that we mentioned is over on my blog, jamieivy.com. And there's a couple questions there and just some more information about Jamie. Anyhow, anything you need there, send me an email. Let me know. Find me on Twitter, Facebook. I'd love to connect with you guys. Again, thanks for listening. I'll see you next week on the happy hour.